guys, I'm very excited to welcome and invite our speaker up here to join me. Uh, welcome him, Pastor Randy Don Giovanni. And uh, Randy is going to inspire you if you let him. So guys, just open up your hearts, your minds to what God has to speak to us this morning through Randy. God bless you. If you let me. If you let me. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I release you. That was a, never mind. You know, I'm an observer of people. I just flew to Houston, Texas. Anybody ever been to Houston? I flew out 44 degrees here. It was 90 degrees there. It was like wonderful. I thought I was taking a bath. But uh, it was wonderful to be there. God's been opening doors again and travel. And thank God that we're back on the road again. There's so many things that we've missed for almost two years. So the only pandemic we have right now is Christianity in America. No, we have a pandemic because not all churches are preaching the gospel of Jesus. It's about feeling good. It's about being good. It's about, you know, you're good until you get caught, right? I want to talk to you today about a, a, a title of the message. How many have ever heard of Tony Jones? Tony, excuse me, Tony Evans. Tony Evans used to travel all over the country with a thing called Promise Keepers. And uh, we used to go to him. I went to Atlanta, Georgia one year. It was 19, I think it was 1995, 94. And it was in Atlanta with all the denominations came together. I mean, all of them came to Atlanta. It was the most wonderful thing I've ever seen in my life. And, I mean, you're talking about multi-denominations being able to get along. And uh, it was beautiful what God did. But he has a son named Tony Evans. I mean, I mean, have ever heard his music? And Tony Evans Jr. wrote this song a few years back called Before You. And that's what I'm going to talk about today because I'll read a couple lines for that. But how many can remember Before B.C.? Before Jesus Christ. How many, how many remember your, your life before Christ? And how many are thankful for the redemption, the, the changing power, the freedom that we have in Jesus? That, that's a pretty weak thing. You must have too much sausage. But I'm just saying that there is something that happens before Christ. If people really, you know how you find like when you have family members or somebody says, I never knew that about them. How many know what I'm talking about? Until it's later. Like somebody's going through a divorce or separation or somebody found out something, bleep, popo shows up at the house. And they're like, I never knew that. You know why? Because we have hidden secrets. We have things we don't want people to know about our past. Because our past should be buried, but other people try to dig it up. Especially when they get mad at us. How many people know what I'm talking about? And in relationships sometimes. But I want to give you a couple scenarios. And then I want to just move through this because I know we only have an hour. So here's what, <laughs> man, you're out by 7.30, I'm done. So anyways, uh, I just so appreciate, appreciate Reload because I'm telling you, man, God has placed us at a strategic time for now. And if I remember the things before Christ, I want you to turn your Bibles, if you have them, to Acts chapter 9. We're going to read 1 through 6, Acts chapter 9. This is a fantastic conversion. We all know it. You guys, I already know that, but it's now. Acts chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Now, now Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of, of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters of the synagogues at Damascus. So if he found any belonging to the way, to the way, which is to Christ, come on now, the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ, both men and women, he, he would be, um, bring them bound to Jerusalem. And it came about that as he journeyed, he approached, was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven had flashed around, and he fell on the ground. He heard the voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
And he said, who art thou, Lord? It's amazing when we have an epiphany with the Holy Spirit of who Christ is, we recognize the power in that moment. How many know what I'm talking about? If it wasn't for the transformation power at that moment, it would be like any other, any other person greeting anybody else. But it was the Lord God that was visiting a man that was hurling insults, a man that hated Christians, a persecutor of the faith. I am Jesus whom you're persecuting, but rise and enter the city, and it shall be told you what you must do. Conversion before Christ. What we were like, what we did, how many people we hated, how many people we were against. How many in this room can honestly say that I was against the church in the beginning? I couldn't stand church. Church judged me. Church put me in a place, a position where I didn't like the church. Is there anybody? Just be honest, man. We're living in Grand Rapids. Listen, we're living in an oxymoron. We're living in a place called Grand Rapids where there's 737 churches and we're still building. Over 42 or more percent of these churches are all about defunct situations where somebody left a staff, thought they could preach better, teach better, and they left. Now, I know there's callings, don't get me wrong, but most of the majority of Grand Rapids, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I've been there. I've been to churches, startup churches, different churches that are like, we planted because, you know, I felt God moving me out. It says, why did you change your lane? You were good at this. Why did you think you could head to church and preach? And then they get there and they can't handle the pressure of senior pastoring. Come on, somebody. And so we start these churches up because we can do it better. And then we get stuck. It's the same way as men. You know, sometimes we lose our minds. How many have ever lost your mind? Like, your brain fart happened. You go on these journeys, on these quests, everything else. And then you come back and it's like, I don't know how that happened again. It's because the old life wants to rile up. When our spirits get bothered, bam, it happens. I'm going to give you another one. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, start at verse 9. Jesus passed on from there, and he saw the man called Matthew. Now, I love what the chosen does. They kind of make Matthew like an autistic person. I kind of think he probably was because he was very good at math, very good at some you know, of these people. And I have an autistic niece, and Rebecca is probably more intelligent than people give her credit for, even though she's not speaking. But they have him like this, sitting in the tax office. He said, follow me. Follow me. Now, there's an exclamation point, which is very direct, like, follow me, meaning now. How many of you have children? How many of you have ever told your children, listen, right now, you get a little bit more loud, and you want to go right now. I threw an exclamation point in there, Jesse, because I want you to hear me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Ricky, you're raising two now, right? Three. Whoa. And you're spitting them out like, come on, brother. Yeah, come on. I'll be back in 10 weeks. I've got 42 kids. I'm just telling you straight up. But you tell your kids, you want, Tim, you want to discipline your kids. And you say to them, listen, I want you to hear me. There's a powerful thing here. And he rose and he followed him. And, and it happened that he was reclining at the table of, in the house. And behold, many tax gatherers and sinners were there dining with Jesus and his disciples. Verse 11. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why is your teacher eating with the tax collectors and the sinners? Verse 12. And when he heard this, he said, Is is it not those who are healthy who need the physician, but those who are sick? You know what this tells me is, where is the least of these? What are we searching for? What are we looking for? What are we trying to help? I already know that people in my family are healthy. I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about the unhealthy. I'm concerned as I travel about those that need the Lord. 
Before you, God, before you, it goes on further. The first disciples, it says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, and walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting nets into the sea. They were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, for I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left the nets and followed him. I'm just thinking, are we following Jesus now that we're transformed and saved? There is something that happens before Christ that we don't understand. You know, we lose our mind sometimes. How many have ever lost your mind? No, seriously, like anger grips in, like you're watching a sports game, and it's like, are you kidding me? Matthew Stafford goes where and wins the Super Bowl? Come on, we had him for how many years? And I love the commercial with AT&T. He's like, <laughs> suckers. But you know what it has to deal with? It has to deal with leadership. Come on, somebody. How many of you Detroit fans? Mm-hmm. It'll be a long time. Ain't no shame in my game. I'm from Pittsburgh, baby. I'm just saying this song says this, before you standing in your glory, I just want to thank you for all you've done for me. Before you, I offered you my worship, and now I stand forgiven and free because now I'm a man, not the man I used to be, before you. Now, before you is before Christ, where all the funk happened, all the sins, all the different things. Now we have this, this reconciliation with this man named Jesus. The blood of Christ comes into us, changes all our DNA. You no longer act the same, walk the, walk the same, talk. Come on now, because you're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit's alive, you won't talk the same, you won't walk the same, you won't act the same, because now it's about rescuing. See, people ask me all the time, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? Our purpose... When we become Christians, before Christ, we didn't understand our purpose. We're floundering. Our purpose is probably to get rich. Our purpose is probably to get married. Our purpose is probably to have a better job, bigger job. Look at Apple right now. There are people that don't want to go to work at Apple. Come on. It's just stupid because this one man decides in billions of dollars to buy the company and maybe set some things right. I don't know what he's up to, but I'm just telling you straight up, I watch. And so all of a sudden, before Christ, we're like, we're lost. We're floundering. We're looking. We're searching. And then you have this relationship with Christ. Somebody introduced you to Jesus, and now you're living before you. Now I stand before you. And I stand in your presence, and I stand before you. I'm humbled by your mercy, staggered by your beauty, honored by your love for me before Christ. Now I'm standing before the Father, changed, reconciled. Even before I was standing before the Father, wanting to transition into a new person. Transition, come on, is this resonating with anybody's spirit? I just want to encourage you today that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind and our heart. Right here, this temple to my heart is 18 inches. When I can transform this 18 inches, I don't walk the same, talk the same. There's something about the songs that I sing and the songs that I play and the, the, how I go on my journey. It's when somebody comes into where I'm at. I'm now in the presence of God. I'm standing before God every single day. When my feet hit the floor, I cause hell to shake. When you walk, you walk as though Joshua. You know who went before. You know your father. You know your grandfather. Those that have gone before. But now it's your turn. Now it's your turn, men. The Bible says every step I take I can claim for Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy says not only that, every step, it says, I will put the terror and the fear of you in the whole land. I kind of like that. I'm five foot six. I'm shrinking a little bit. I just like that. I like to walk into a restaurant where people just say to me, who are you? 
I love it when I freak him out. I'm a blood-bought son of the king. I have royal priesthood in my blood. I am somebody special. I'll take the number five. And don't put anything in it. Before you, there was, watch, let me, can I ask you a question? Can we have an honest inventory? Before Christ, there was bitterness. There was strife. There was anger. Maybe that's still there. And there's anger. There's confusion. There's life without purpose. There's condemnation. I feel unclean. I'm not worthy enough. Self-righteousness. Uh, nothing worth living for. I hear that all the time with young people. I don't have anything to live for. There's nothing in my life. My dad just walked out on us. My mother and father just got divorced. They're going through something else and I have nothing to live for. And I'm thinking, you're only 13. You have your whole life. You need a Savior named Jesus. Your father put his cape away. It's in the closet somewhere. He's not everything to you anymore. Now watch. Don't disrespect him. Respect the position, but you don't have to entertain. Come on, somebody. My dad was defunct. My dad was crazy. My dad used to say to me, you might not like me. In fact, you'd probably take me out. But if you don't respect the position, you'll never understand authority. Wow, that meant everything. Before you now, angels raise their anthem and will gladly join them by lifting my praise. Come on, somebody. I'm about to lift some praise before Jesus. Why? Because I understand now that I'm changed and transformed by the renewing of my heart and my mind. I'm a different person. I no longer, I'm not the man I used to be. I lay down my life as an offering before me. These are all the words from the song, Tony Evans, before you. I lay my life as an offering. I am not the man I used to be. My past has been redeemed by his blood. The cross paid for the past. Now I stand before you. Come on, somebody got to understand these ones. This is the anthem. I stand before you, a new person, not condemned. With purpose, full of destiny, with hope, with a vision, humbled, healed, cleansed, forgive, reconciled, freed, complete, pure, changed. Come on, I know it's 7 in the morning, but let me tell you something. I let my boys out this morning. I have two little schnauzers. I let them out this morning thinking about this and thinking about you on my mind and thinking about the things of God, how he's transformed. Have there been some tough days? Yes. Have there been some were misunderstood? Yes. Come on, somebody. You agree with me? There are things in our life, man, we come in every week. I was listening to the last few speakers. There's so much. You talk about living intentionally. When I started putting together, I, Tuesday night, I have a youth group up in Rockford that I work with. Wednesday night, I'm working with the Presbyterian Church. Six years since they've had a youth pastor. Seven since they've had a youth pastor. Can you help us birth one? I'm like, how many kids are in the church? Um, three in high school and one in junior high. I'm like, okay. Church is predominantly 60-some years old. See, I'm just telling you, it's a fact. And Thursday and Friday, I travel every, every, every week to Chicago. I'm still there. You know, I cannot get a youth pastor to go to Chicago to change my life. It's been 19 months. We've had five come in and resign. I don't want to come here. And it's not even 40 minutes outside Chicago. It's called Tinley Park, Orland Park. It's phenomenal. White-collar place, really cool, great place. Nobody wants to go. And as I'm journeying on this journey with these kids, I let my dogs out in the morning. I'm sitting there praising the Lord because of all the things going on in my life. I mentor 10 youth pastors a week, one-hour sessions. I mentor them usually to three hours. I'm driving and coming back each time. And I'm mentoring them like an hour. Some of the guys are here. They're Kentucky. They're Pennsylvania. There's one in New York. And I'm just saying, God, in the name of Jesus, I would never be able to do this if I couldn't stand before you humbled, changed, transformed, 
Do you have days that are funky? Yes. We're humans. But do you live in that? And I'm looking at all these other pastors, all these other people that came up and they shepherded you each morning. And I'm trying to think. I'm sitting back there thinking, okay, how's that stirring me up? How's that powering me? And every time I'm thinking, living intentionally, when I put together these themes for these youth groups, the number one thing was living intentionally was the month of April. And I'm thinking, there you go, Tim. You're stealing my stuff. But it's all over the place. I'm hearing the word intentionally. I'm hearing the word living intentionally. I'm hearing this, what is your intent? How many have heard this so much in the month of April going into May? I'm just telling you it's happening. So God's saying something. And I'm trying to inspire us that it's not just a song that we sing, but a song that we heard, but it's my lifestyle now. I lay down who I am anymore. It's not selfish about me anymore. You know, I think my wife, she's at the hospital. I'm thinking, could you picture if this nurse works at PICU? She's the doctorate of nursing. She has her doctorate of nursing. I'm like, oh, what does that mean? That means you better call me doctor. I'm like, listen, Lori, Dr. Lori. I'm just glad it's not Dr. Laura. I wouldn't tell her nothing. My wife goes with an intent to rescue a child today. Come on. Have you ever been to these NICUs and PICUs? Have you ever seen the IVs and the lines and the monitors? How many have ever seen this? 20, 16 to 24 banks of everything from oxygen to blood to, come on. And I'm thinking, my gosh, how does my four foot nothing wife, God, thank you for the brains. Because I thought you said trains and I missed mine. But she goes and she ministers to these babies and these, she's praying over them. And she'll come home and say, we lost one today. And, and um, she's heavy in her heart because she goes with the intent to rescue. So I'm asking you, before Christ now that we're changed and transforms, who are we rescuing? Do we ask the questions? Are we looking for the least of these? Are we looking for those that are around? So I've got this story to share to you in the next couple of minutes. And then another one. I might share two. I'm not sure yet. This young man in my youth ministry, oh my gosh, he was troubled. 13 years old, in and out of doing breaking and entering, juvie homes. Single parented, never met his father. Just mad at life, mad at life. Getting all kinds of trouble because he's hanging with the wrong people. Doesn't matter how many times he comes to church, we talk about him. We talk about transformation, life, the joy of Christ, everything. We're going crazy on this guy. It's one of those guys, have you have any friends you like but you don't like? Don't lie. You invite them, you're thinking, why, for the love of God, did I invite him? <laughs> Don't lie. How many? Well, they're sitting around your table. Okay, so he- <laughs> he's sitting right next to me. I can't raise my hand. It'd be like this. It's like God, somebody asked for salvation. It's like this. We have those people in our lives that we have, and this young kid, my first youth ministry, I'm, I'm raw, I'm young, I'm, I'm just a bulldog. And um, I'm trying to everything to win this kid to Christ. We're trying everything. I mean, we're going to the house. He lives with his grandparents and because he's single-parented, and that's the daughter. And uh, the father he's never met is in prison. He never met. The day he was born, his father was arrested, put in prison. So he never met his dad, an angry bird, no father in his life. Grandfather, phenomenal. Grandfather, beautiful. People in the church, men in the church did everything to try to rescue this young man. Everything. But he simply never got it. The age of 17, he breaks into his very own home, beats his grandfather and grandmother up, 
steals all of her jewelry, knows exactly where he's at. Two other guys with him, they have ski masks. And as he walks out, he goes, Grandma, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Grandma, I'm so sorry. They go to court. While they're going to court for the B&E, in that month, he hurt his grandfather so bad that his grandfather died. So now he's on a B&E, now he's on murder. And he goes to trial, and they try him, and they put him in the same prison as his father. The man he never met, angry bird, hated life, ends up one cell 17 years later from the very man he never met. True story. I don't see him for like almost 30 years. Five years ago, it's been 35 years since I was in Battle Creek when I first started and came to Michigan. Five years ago, I'd go back to preach this church, and here comes this big man, full beard, long hair, comes down to the front, gets about four feet in front of me, falls on his knees, prostrate before the Lord. Boom. I'm just like, that doesn't happen every day. Just weeping, weeping profusely. And I look at one of the old leaders, and I'm like, who is this? And he says, don't you recognize? And I was like, no. And he says, it's so-and-so. And I said, are you kidding? Man, I want to. I wanted to kick him. I wanted Because I remember the brat. No, wait, I'm just being very honest with you. Some of y'all, we play games like, oh, that never did. I never think of that. I wanted to hurt him. Like, there were games we played in the youth group. I did hurt him. Tim, don't look at me like that. I'm just telling you straight up. I know you never hurt anybody, but I'm just telling you, there's one kid, Ricky, that I thought, let me take him to training. Because I can transform him. I can mm, change mm, kidney punch, rabbit, shank. I, I don't know what it is. I'm just saying. See, y'all. I wanted to get busy with him because I wanted to teach him a lesson, man. You ain't messing with the man of God. The man of God. And some of y'all have children like this. Your children are running and they're wayward. Let me tell you this to you. The best thing to do is get before the Lord. Because evidently it's not working. So just get before the Lord and give them up and just white flag it. Just surrender them. Surrender them to God because you're going to keep losing sleep. You're going to lose weight. You're going to go crazy. You're going to lose your mind because your kids aren't following Jesus. Give them to the Lord because they're not listening to you. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to, I just want you to be honest. I just want you to be real because there's sometimes you continue to, I don't understand my son. Well, look at you. Oh, man. Okay. So anyways, this young man now in his like 40s. Maybe 40s, about 40 something, almost 50 now. And I looked and he said, It's me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, here's the reconciliation part though. I knew him before Christ. Now I see him after Christ. And it's the same young man. He said, It's me. It's so and so. Let me say this to you, Pastor. Every single day since the first night that I was in prison, all they kept coming into my mind were your sermons. I want to show you something. I'm going to show you something. I journaled for years. I have seven of these journals. I brought one today. I brought one journal today. This is the first journal from my first time in jail, 17 years old, on every single night. All I kept hearing was your sermons. Every sermon. And I want to show you this. And he flips this book open this big, and he's writing down, seriously, everything that he remembers, page at a time. And he says, I got saved about maybe nine years ago really transformed. But what happened was the pricking of my heart and my mind were your sermons. And that transformed my life because now I'm in a place where I got to make a decision because I'm stuck in here now. And he gets out like, say, 30 years, 
25 years. I mean, I think it was 25, and he's been out for five. I, I saw him after 30 years, and I'm telling you, what a transformation. Well, I could see it in his eyes. I could see it in his countenance. I could see it in his face. Totally transformed because now he stands before Christ. See, before Christ, nobody liked him. Before Christ, everybody, I'm telling you, he's that kind of young man. But once he had an epiphany with God, in fact, he tells me that before his father died, he led his father to Jesus. The very man he hated. How does that happen, man? Without the changing grace and power of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, there are people all around us. People walk in your shops. People walk in your business. People walk in your life. They're stepping for a person. Step at them. Step on them. Go towards them. I'll finish with this one. There's a young man named Xavier. He's one of my church guys out of Stone Church in, in uh, Illinois. And, and he's, he's battling in his mind and heart so many things. And he's, a, he's just a senior in high school and going through a lot. And there was a song written a couple years ago called Oceans. And it says, when the ocean rise, you know, and it talks about the whole song. And I preached the second night he was there, second time he visited, I preached about this song named Oceans. And I pulled out different parts and didn't realize that was his favorite grandmother, grandmother's favorite song. She always sang it. She always sang it. And he said that night, it was like my grandmother was speaking to me through you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and he got saved. Came to the altar that night, reconciled his life to Jesus, and not, has not walked the same in the last, like, seven to ten months. How does that happen? It happens because before Christ, he knew what we were like. You know, do you ever think that God, and some people get so theologically deep with this, when you ever think God, sometimes he created you, and sometimes he just goes, hmm. I think sometimes when God first met me, it was like, mm -hmm. <laughs> we got one here. It doesn't repulse him, but it makes him dig deeper. Not that God has to, but he wants to. And whether you have an epiphany with God on your own, relationships are what builds that relationship with Jesus. That's why we have this. Because every one of us can give a testimony. Before Christ, I drank and smoked and choked. I'm just telling you, we have all these things. Before Christ, I was this out. But now we stand before the Father, before Christ Almighty, before Him. And we say, now before you, God, touch my mind. Every day I pray this. God, touch my mind because I want to hurt somebody. I'm Italian. It happens, okay? I know you never work that way. You run into people. You're like, oh, my gosh, it's so nice to see you. Yeah. Mm. I'm just like, you know what? I'd like to knock you out because you're still running, and I want to grab you, and I want to bring you to an altar. How many? Don't, does anybody resonate at all? Don't, don't we ever get, Randy, come on. I know you don't, Randy, because you're always Mr. Joy up here. And uh, it's like Joy with a mic. Hey, my name's Randy. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And uh, you never have problems. You never have situations. I know because you're bubblicious. I'm just telling you straight up. Nobody tells you that. But that's not even a really good thing to tell a man, but you're kind of bubbly, okay? And so, uh, mm, spring up a well. I'm just saying this. I'm digging it deeper. I know I'm getting out. I'm getting out. Will you stop? Okay. So here's, but here's my point in closing. How are we standing today before Christ? You might be sitting there saying, let me tell you something. I'm here. My friends invite me. I'm kind of getting it. I'm kind of getting it. I'm kind of getting it. For the love of God, get it. Because the more you play with, you know, there will be a day, there will be a day. I've had so many people do that. I've, I've gone to visit people in the hospital. You know, this is my day. Well, are you going to reconcile? Not yet. Not yet. 
And they die the next day, and I'm thinking, oh, God, what happened? What did they do? What did they say? Man, listen, the only people you can ever disqualify in your life, you can try to disqualify everybody. The only person you can disqualify in your life is you. There's no business, there's no ministry, there's no authority that should be able to disqualify you. I don't care who you are. The only person that disqualifies you from rejection, oh my gosh, I'm no good, I'm a piece, I'm a rag, I'm a mess. Look in the mirror and say, not today, Satan. Because now I stand before you, God, and I stand before you. I want transformed, I want changed, I want a renewing in my heart and my mind. Let me tell you this, it's never a greater day. I love what I'm doing to travel, to talk to young people. I'm 63 years old as of January. Uh, it's the dynamite. I'm telling you, I'm in a sweet spot. Some people like, you're retired, I am. I'm kind of one of those guys that can make my own schedule, do my own thing. People still call me out of nowhere. I'm thinking, you call me? I'm calling you. I need it, man. We need the truth. I've been bringing people in to talk about, but they're just not hitting it. At least one thing about you is in the face, make me laugh, make me think it's about, it's about to go. I just want to encourage you, men, that now we stand before Christ. How are we transformed? What are we doing? Father, today I thank you so much for this opportunity. I thank you for a time again to stand before men, my brothers in Christ, my, the army that you've allowed me to be a part of, this army of power and authority and, and God-given stuff. I ask you, Father, today to stand before you, God. Stand before you. Take an inventory of our life. Lord, we don't want to be like this person that just keeps running, keeps chasing, and makes all kinds of excuses. Today, I am dead serious, God, with my life today. And before you leave this room, talk to somebody. I want to get it right. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of making excuses. Because right now before you, God, I stand a sinner that needs to be saved by grace. Now I want to stand before you a changed saint for the kingdom of God that sins but want to get us all out of my life. I ask you, Father, today, as I stand before you, as I sit before you, is my heart right? Bless us today as we walk. Give us authority. Give us power. Give us that unction, God, to reach out beyond ourselves. And Lord, when we're tired, give us the strength in Jesus' name.